everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, best-selling author and senior director of valuation services at CFGI, where I help my clients figure out what their most important assets are worth. In my world, business and business performance and business value are determined by the numbers, but savvy leaders understand that there's usually more to the story. So welcome to Behind the Numbers. This is the program where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. If you'd like to learn more about me or schedule a conversation, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Today, my guest says that diversity and inclusion is not a um, like-to-have, it's a must-have, and we're going to be discussing that topic with my guest, Robin Pollack, who's the founder and CEO of Trellis Consulting. Robin, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks, Dave. I'm really excited for this. So, Yeah, so let's start with your background. You're uh, a former attorney. I am. I am. I was a restructuring lawyer for 20 years, a partner at a large Philadelphia law firm, and had been doing a lot of gender diversity work through uh, the Turnaround Management Association, which I'm sure you're familiar with, yeah. for restructuring professionals. And uh, started a women's networking group in our local chapter uh, back before it was in vogue to have women's networking groups and had a lot of success. Uh, fast forward all of these years later, almost every chapter in this global organization has a women's initiative. Mm -hmm. And I launched and ran uh, the women's initiative at that global level um, for about four or five years. And we were really having a lot of success giving women in the restructuring industry the substantive tools to be able to succeed in the workplace. Um, and I decided at that time I wanted to sort of branch out and give those tools to women, particularly in other industries. Um, so I started Trellis while I was still practicing law and uh, eventually left to focus on the company full time um, and actually found that uh, programming for women wasn't enough. What I really needed to do was be out there with a strategic, comprehensive, integrated approach to diversity and inclusion as a whole. Um, so that's where I really married my two areas of expertise. Um, we're at the intersection of business and human capital. Um, so Trellis is a boutique uh, business strategy firm with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Full service, um, comprehensive, integrated, strategic. We have a methodology that we use and we can talk about that as we Yeah, and, and you told me before we went on the air that this is a must have. It is. This is a business imperative. Um, it's interesting because when I started Trellis, you know, the cultural climate was different. It was before me too. Um, and now everything is really shifted and there's such a focus on this in, uh, in organizations that um, it's, it's something that you really need to do and you need to do it the right way. Um, too many companies are still sort of checking the box or kind of throwing things up against the wall or sort of thinking they can do it themselves. Um, and that's a sort of a slippery slope. You know, you can get in some, to some dangerous territory there and, and, and not really see the results. And that's the bigger picture. Um, yeah. If you're making the investment of time and resources, you want to actually see measurable results. And so how do you do that? Yeah, and we're going to get into those numbers in a little bit. But you mentioned they don't necessarily do it the right way. What is the right way? I mean, the right way is the things that we're talking about, is having a strategy. So we have a process um, when somebody's doing a start-to-finish um, diversity initiative. And, and keep in mind that companies are all along a trajectory. So we do all kinds of work from sort of that one-off um, training session all the way to, you know, full-on comprehensive initiatives. And we do everything in between. So if you're talking about doing it the right way, you really want to start with doing an assessment. That is the biggest, most important component. 
so that you're identifying issues, you're taking the pulse of your workforce, you're figuring out if you're having issues, why are you having issues? Figuring out those root causes is really, really important. So we may have clients come to us and say, you know, we're having trouble, uh, you know, attracting people of color, and we think it's because of X. But when we go in and we're doing an assessment, we're talking to people, we're doing focus groups and surveys and looking at historical data, we may find out the root causes why. And so if you are, if you don't know what you're solving for and what's causing it, it's very hard to, to you know, address it. So that's the first step. And then what we do is we take that data and we create short and long-term strategic business plans. Just like you'd have a business plan in any other aspect of your business, that's what we do for diversity and inclusion. So measurable goals, measurable objectives, helping people figure out how to roll this out and prioritize. And then we implement. That's the third step. There are a variety of solutions that you can use um, to address the issues that you're having um, or prevent issues. So everybody thinks training is like the end-all, be-all. Training is one vertical. There are a million other things that we do. We have mentoring programs. We look at employee lifecycle process policies and issues, looking for bias, how that's impacting interviewing, promotion, compensation, all of those things. We help launch um, integrated employee resource groups. So there's a million things that you can do. And then we measure. We look at the metrics. We look at different benchmarks along the line, you know, along the way to see, hey, are we doing what we set out to do? Where are we falling short? How do we, you know, how are we agile enough to fix those things and shift gears? Yeah. So at, at the beginning of the explanation, you talked about a company potentially having difficulty attracting certain types of demographics mm -hmm. uh, into the workforce. H how does what you're doing facilitate the change in their their thinking, their processes, their protocols to, to make that happen? Well, it really depends on what they want to put in place. So, you know, there are actual practical solutions to put into place to address that kind of issue. So we may be looking at their pipeline. Where are they getting people from? How are they interviewing those people? What's the role of bias as those people come into the organization? Are they getting sort of blocked because of bias issues at the interview stage? So for that particular issue, those are some of the things that you need to think about. But this is really about creating inclusive culture. This is really a culture shift. How are you creating an environment of trust and authenticity and safety where people can feel that their voices are heard? You know, there's a big focus on the numbers. You know, how many people of color? How many women? How many, you know, LGBTQ? How many? So that's great. You know, that's one place to start. And, and you need those numbers. You need those people. But then what are you doing with them? The inclusion piece is what drives innovation, sustainability, profitability, competitive advantage. How are you utilizing those people and their diversity of thought. Do they feel comfortable? Is there psychological safety? Can they come in and feel that they can be themselves, share ideas, not be afraid to fail, really have their voices heard? Yeah, you touched on a lot of things there. When, when you <laughs> know, think about like... culture and, and yeah. transparency, authenticity, yeah. and, and um, making a safe environment where people feel like it's okay to fail. Right. Um, that's a lot. It is a lot. How, how do you get... A, the buy-in from the top, but I think more importantly, an understanding from the rest of the organization that this is something that's actually being taken seriously, that this isn't just a, okay, they, they saw this on the news and they're, they're throwing a, a noodle at the wall and see if it sticks. Right. So that top-down alignment is critical. I mean, we work a lot with senior leadership teams and people in the C-suite um, to get them to understand why this is so important. And it is largely from a business perspective. So obviously, this is something that's good to have 
have. It makes sense. It's the right thing. You feel good about it. But what really drives companies buying into this is that business proposition. And what is it going to do, you know, for their top line, their bottom line, you know, their stakeholders? How does it fit into their values, their mission, their goals for the company um, as a whole? So that that. Um, is critical. That that top-down alignment is critical. Um, and then you need the bottom-up. You know, it's that top-down, bottom-up where people meet in the middle. It's a holistic approach to really driving this. Um, and it takes time. It, you know, people don't um, change. Behavior doesn't change overnight. These are long-term propositions and different things to put into place over time. You know, depending on a company's priorities to move. You know, to move things forward. Yeah. How long is an implementation of these kinds of programs? So if you're really like doing it, <laughs> you're doing the whole, you know, enchilada, we're usually in about 15 to 18 months, you know, and our goal is to give the company the tools that it needs to carry forward. So nobody wants a consultant in there, you know, till the end of time. And of course, we're there, you know, to provide support. Um, but really that, that, you know, hardcore work is within that time period. And so, you know, we feel strongly about, again, giving the company those tools. So for instance, if you're creating employee resource groups, or sometimes they're called business resource groups. We can help you set them up. We can help you integrate them. We can help you give them a framework and a strategy and goals and give them a roadmap of what they're supposed to do. But then you can take that. You don't need us forever. You can take that and run with it with the people in your organization. So we set the stage, we give them the tools, and then hope that they run. Okay. For the folks who are watching and listening, I'd like to learn more about you or how they can contact you. What's the best way to reach you? So if you want to reach me directly, you can certainly feel free to reach out and email. It's rpollack, P-O-L-L-A-C-K, at trellisconsultingllc.com. And then, of course, um, there's tons and tons of information on our website, which is www.trellisconsultingllc.com. Great. We only have a few minutes in the first segment here, sure. so I don't want to go down too deep into a rabbit hole. But we spend a lot of time talking about the impact of diversity and inclusion inside an organization. But there's also external constituents and benefits. Um, so let's talk about customers of an organization, for example. So absolutely. So the marketplace is really changing. There's a lot of external forces that are sort of driving this, which is great. And it's put, you know, DNI is a very hot topic. It's at the very beginning of the journey, and it's not going anywhere. So definitely something companies need to focus on when it comes to their, you know, external uh, relationships. So customers, clients, um, those are huge uh, drivers of diversity. So I come from the legal world. Using laws and example, you know, clients and organizations are really focused on diversity in their service providers, in their legal teams, and their accounting firms. I'm really looking at not just, you know, how many people of, you know, diverse nature are on a team, but what are they doing? And what is the organization doing? It's not enough to say, you know, here's our numbers, here's your team. But they want to know what's behind it. What is the, you know, service provider actually doing um, to push this along? So clients, customers are really driving. Communities are driving. Um, communities want to work with companies that look like them. So if you're serving a diverse community, they want to interface with somebody at your organization that, that looks like them, that feels like them, that they can, um, that they can relate to. 
The other piece are investors. Um, private equity, um, you know, venture capitalists and other investors are really driving diversity at the board level and the C-suite level because they know that those are the companies that perform better, those companies that have diversity and inclusion at the top. Um, so they would prefer, obviously, to invest in a company that's going to be profitable and successful. So they're an external force that's driving. Um, and of course, culture, uh, Me Too, all of that is, is sort of another sort of external piece out there. It's really a risk management issue in a lot of ways. And I think you mentioned we were going to touch on sort of that, that piece of it at some point. Yeah, we will. And that's a great spot to take a quick break. Great. So don't go anywhere. You don't go anywhere either. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after a quick commercial break. Whether you're a gourmet cook or just want to eat like one, visit Rostelli Market Fresh, your home for the freshest locally sourced ingredients to please everyone who loves great food. Our organic meats, quality seafood, and free-range poultry are cut fresh to order. Chefs create culinary-inspired prep foods made fresh every day, which pair nicely with our vast selection of fine wines and spirits. Choose from handmade pastas, artisan cheeses, organic produce, and grocery items, all from the finest purveyors. Rostelli Market Fresh, from our family to yours. RVN-TV is a platform for people of any industry to share their story. Over 285,000 viewers are tuning in to RVN-TV shows monthly. We guarantee a great experience that you'll be sharing with everyone you know while increasing your personal and company's brand awareness. But what is your brand? According to Forbes, it's a combination of your logo, your product, your design and feel, and your personality. Did you know that aside from being a guest, we offer even more opportunity to boost your brand? Adding your company logo and website on screen during your interview will allow viewers to recognize your brand instantly. Incorporating images and video clips is another great way to showcase your product during your live segment. Let viewers see how good you really are. And most importantly, there's you and your interview. For less than the cost of a newspaper, direct mail, or a magazine ad, you can leave our studio and within 48 hours have a permanent digital copy of your live segment to link to your social media, embed into your company website, or use in email marketing. Investing in your brand is so very important, and we can't wait to have you as a guest. Shelter dogs aren't broken. They've simply experienced more life. If they were human, we would call them wise. They would be the ones with tales to tell and stories to write. The ones dealt a bad hand who responded with courage. Do not pity a shelter dog. Adopt one. Say we've got grit and we'll take it as a compliment because it's our uncommon drive our spark within that brings us together and sets us apart. We are temple made. And when others take shortcuts, when others take breaks, when others take the easy way. I'll teach you this in RTF. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking diversity and inclusion with Robin Pollock, who is the founder and CEO of Trellis Consulting. Robin, before the break, you started to talk a little bit about how investors, mm -hmm. whether it's PE, whether it's strategic, whether it's venture capital, recognize that D&I, to use the colloquialism that you use for diversity and inclusion, recognize that that creates value in an organization. 
Let's talk a little bit about that, if you would. Sure. So it, cre it creates tremendous value. And the reason is that um, diversity, and as we talked about, you know, more particularly inclusion, where people's voices are heard, it creates that diversity of thought. Um, it creates better decision-making, innovation, um, better problem-solving, because when you have different people with different perspectives and different viewpoints at the table, it creates dissent. And that's what leads to all of those breakthroughs. If you have what's called groupthink, everybody around the table has the same perspective, thinks the same way, you're not going to move you know, the needle. You're not going to get a lot of innovation. You're not going to get a lot of different ideas and different perspectives. So that's why it helps. So there's voluminous data out there tons of companies that have done research on how diversity and inclusion drives these better processes. And that's what leads um, to better decisions, which leads to better, you know, uh, you know, better profitability, better performance. Yeah. So that's how it works. And that's why these investors are really focused on that, because they know if they've got all these same people around the table, they're not going to get that. And that level of performance is going to be much less, much less competitive than a company that really has that and is driving that dissent in those different perspectives. So so it's diversity of thought. Yeah, and, and the program's called Behind the Numbers sure. for the obvious reasons that we always talk about. But I, I do like to go into the numbers wherever it's appropriate. And mm -hmm. when, when you talk about the ROI mm -hmm. on the investment in diversity and inclusion, we'd definitely love to explore that and share that with uh, the audience so that people can understand that this really isn't just a, a woo-woo, touchy-feely kind of a thing. Right, right. It's, it's not at all. So a couple of places where that ROI you know, comes into play, certainly what we just talked about, you know, those better decisions, better products, better innovation. You know, I know companies that are looking to the diverse populations in their organization using those you know, employee resource groups to test products and say, hey, we want to go to market on X. What do you think about that? And it's a whole new vantage point because they're actually talking to the demographic that they're targeting. So ROI in that respect. So a couple of different things. Um, first is talent. Talent is huge. We talk about talent as being an asset, um, you know, something that really should be part of on the balance sheet you talk about. Yeah, right? it resonates a little bit. Yep. Yes, if the, with the yeah, with, with evaluation. But talent is huge. You know, talent is a company's greatest asset. And again, we talk about marketplace changes. We have generational changes in the marketplace. You have millennials, you have Gen Z. So it's baby boomers that are retiring and are being replaced by these new generations who have certain expectations. They've grown up a different way. They're looking for organizations that are diverse, where they can be authentic, where they, you know, are bringing value. So you know, um, people of those generations that don't see that in an organization will leave. You won't be able to attract and retain the best talent. If you don't have the best talent, you can't perform whatever service it is that your organization performs. So huge. Retention is huge. Um, definitely an ROI because you know the cost of, you know, having somebody come in, training them, investing in them, and then they leave and take that value somewhere else. Huge dollars. Um, we talked about clients and customers a little bit, really driving the process. You know, companies that are not focused on DNI in a meaningful, strategic way um, will not be able to retain their clients, and they certainly won't be able to get new business. Just the reality of what's going on, you know, out there. So you have talent, you have clients and customers. Investors, we talked about. So if you need money <laughs> and your investor isn't seeing what it needs to see, that money walks out the door, and, and how are you operating? Um, DNI is also 
also a risk management tool. Um, we see a lot going on with, you know, Me Too and other types of, um, uh, you know, uh, HR-driven type litigation or claims going on. With the current cultural climate, with Me Too, people aren't afraid anymore to come forward. Um, and that costs money. Yeah. Even if you're settling, it costs money. It's time, it's resources, it's productivity. All of that can be quantified into an actual number. So if you think that it's never going to happen or it's not happening at your organization, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, the ostrich with your head in the sand because it is. So you want to get ahead of it. You want to put these processes in place um, to really, you know, try to proactively address any issues that you may be having or to prevent issues. Because again, litigation is really expensive. Settlement is really expensive. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't even have to be as, as dramatic as kind of a whistleblowing type thing like the Me Too with uh, Glassdoor and other social absolutely. media avenues. Your, your employees are, are talking about you. They are. There are. So there's that PR component to yeah. it. I mean, I look at Starbucks as sort of that quintessential example on, on a big level, but think about the millions and millions of dollars that they lost. Had they been, you know, addressing those types of issues proactively, you know, and I know they do have diversity and inclusion in place. You, you know, you can't control for sort of a bad apple, but they probably were not as proactive and not as consistent with what they needed to do. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have had to, you know, close all their stores and spend $12 million. So lots of places where numbers um, come into place. And again, we said in the beginning, this is not a nice to have. This is a must have. This is about competitive advantage, sustainability, profitability, um, really being able to uh, take your company, you know, into the future. Yeah. So when you talk about the Starbucks example, like you said, they have programs in they place do. and give they them do. all the sure. credit in the world for yep. responding quickly and, yep. and doing what they needed to do. But talk about an organization that maybe that doesn't have a program in place. What kind of trouble are they getting into? Well, I mean, look, if they don't know what's going on, you know, that's problematic. You sort of need to have your pulse on what's happening, you know, at that organization. But, you know, you want to retain your people. You want, you know, think of beyond risk. You know, risk is huge. But you want to have a successful, engaged workforce. You want to be able to do whatever it is that your organization does. And this is a huge piece of that. You want people to want to be there. You want people to want to stay. You want people to be able to contribute. Um, so it's really important to be proactive. You know, I look at all of these things sort of, you know, in the, you know, put them together, you know, comprehensively. And we tell our clients, you know, being reactive simply costs more. You want to be proactive so that you're not having issues or that if you are having issues, you can point to, you know, look, this is what we're doing. It takes time, but we are on this. We get this. And we're doing this in a way that makes sense um, and that is going to drive all of us, you know, to success. Yeah. How can people contact you, Robin, if they want to learn more about you or would like to work with you? So certainly if you want to contact me directly, you can email me at rpollack, P-O-L-L-A-C-K, at trellisconsultingllc.com. Um, and if you want to uh, take a look at our website and look at all the services we offer, um, it's trellisconsultingllc.com. Great, on the thank you. Yes. We only have a few minutes left in the program. Are, are there best practices that can be employed in an organization around DNI? Absolutely. And, and we've talked about a lot of those best practices, sort of following that methodology. But I recognize that not every company has the size or the resources to be able to put something fully comprehensive in at each, at each um, you know, at each step. So I would say whatever you're doing, make sure that it's strategic. Make sure that it's measured. That is the best practice. Make sure you understand what are your goals, what are your objectives, what are you trying to accomplish. 
and tie whatever you're doing to those goals and measure them. So even if you're just doing a training series, what are the objectives of the training? What are you looking to gain? And how are you going to know when you've reached success? How are you going to know that this training has actually resulted in those goals and objectives that you've set? You can't manage what you can't measure, so you can help with that. Exactly, and we can do it you know, on a small scale, we can do it on a large scale. So for instance, we have a, a, a strategic mentoring program that uses that methodology. It's an encapsulated program, but it walks through all of that. It has a framework, it has accountability, it has all of those things. So you can utilize that best practice you know, in a small or large project. Yeah, I want to talk about you personally just a little bit, if you don't mind, sure. because you know, besides taking that leap into entrepreneurship, which is a very cool story of success as well, but uh, you're a woman CEO. I am. Which I think has its own unique challenges. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Well, I mean, I think being a CEO in general has challenges and certainly something that was very different than practicing law. Um, yeah, I think women have unique challenges in the workplace as far as getting funding, as far as getting um, you know respect, as far as getting out sort of in the world. I think I've been fortunate enough that you know there are a lot of women in the DNI space, so I think I actually feel that sort of less than maybe when I was practicing law in a more male-dominated um, industry. But just as a CEO in general, you learn so much, you change so much. Um, I think one of the things that I found is confidence. Um, I can do it. Whatever it is, I can do it and I can figure it out. And I think that may be one aspect of you know, gender. Um, women sometimes tend to have an imposter syndrome or maybe less confidence um, oftentimes than men. Um, I feel that I've grown in that way, being a woman CEO, making that leap. Well, congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. So the overall theme of this conversation, as I parse it down into its basics, is that D&I really is a competitive advantage for an organization. Mm-hmm. Fair? It is, and it's a business imperative. Yeah, no question about that. So when you think about your companies as they're about to embark on a journey, um, what's a good first step in becoming aware that there may be a problem? Definitely assessment. I mean, I think that is where we start because that is uncovering, that's looking under the hood, it's figuring out what is or are the issues. So I always encourage companies to start there, again, because you don't know what you're solving for, you don't know what you're doing. So that's our first step. And I think that's the first step for any organization, large or small, um, to sort of engage in that deep dive you know, into their culture, into their people, into the role of bias, um, what's happening. Because every single company that has humans in it is dealing with bias. That's just a fact of science. Yeah. Um, so that's a great place to start and to use the assessment piece to really dive into that. So when you talk about assessments, a lot of people may be rolling their eyes, uh, metaphorically speaking, uh, that people have been assessed to death. And, and how do you get the true candid responses? What, what's your secret sauce, if you can reveal that, for getting people to actually respond in a candid way to the assessment? I think a lot of assessments don't actually drill down on these issues. They may touch on them a little bit, but people are not always assessed on bias, on DNI, on how they feel included, all of those things. So I think it's a little bit of a different, um, a little bit of a different assessment. Um, and you would be amazed, you know, when you do a, a survey and then you drill down, you know, either in a focus group or one-on-one -on -one interviews, you'd really be surprised what people are willing to reveal. People want to talk about these issues. People want to feel respected and valued and appreciated in the workplace. So it's actually not as hard as you would think. Um, the big piece about assessment is if you are asking your workforce, you have to do something with that. 
You can't just ask them and then put it in a drawer and say, okay, that was great. We asked you, we know, good stuff. You don't have to do everything, but you've got to do something. Otherwise, you have the reverse effect where it's demoralizing and it's sort of a negative impact if you're asking people to take their time and have their voices heard and then you're not actually taking any action. Exactly. And that's where the organization starts to understand that leadership is taking it seriously. Absolutely. So thank you. Time has flown by very quickly. It has. Here. We've been talking about the importance of diversity and inclusion with Robin Pollock today. Um, and organizations that are out there, that this is definitely a serious topic, and you see it every day in the news. There are organizations that are monitoring the, um, the diversity among speaker panels. This is a thing, and like Robin said, it's, it's no longer a uh, nice-to-have, it's a must-have. So that's it for Behind the Numbers today. I'm Dave Bookbinder. We've been talking D&I with Robin Pollock, and we'll see you next time. Take care.